listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Yes, we welcome you in to the Full 10 Yards Podcast for another episode. It is the 2nd of October. Welcome to October, everybody. The the, the official uh, month that the Chargers can actually... Not shoot themselves in the foot and win some games. Sorry, Lee, uh, to do that to you early in the podcast. <laughs> um, but what a wild, what a wild week four it was. Uh, a couple of games, even three games going into overtime. So lots of of bonus football for everybody. Lots of high scoring games. Lots of injuries uh, to get through. And obviously, we, we'll try and give you some waiver wire targets for week five. Obviously, waivers are clear tomorrow. And look ahead to Thursday night football, which is the Indianapolis Colts travelling to Foxborough to face the new England Patriots. But Lee, before we get into all that, how was your weekend? How was your fantasy? How did your fantasy weekend go? No, I had a really good week, actually, for fantasy this weekend. Um, so I came out on top of our dynasty league, and then in the... I think I only lost in one game out of all my other leagues. So yeah, I've had a really good week. After, I was saying last week that um, a mixed bag has been a good week for me so far, but this was a really good week, actually. Yeah, I came out on top in most of my games. Mm, all but yeah. one, I think. Mm, nice. Yeah, I didn't I didn't do too bad. I had uh, win a a big win in my home league, so off off the board on there. But in the in our dynasty league, uh, for those listeners out there, I managed to lose with a score of 146, which was not. Uh, I was the second highest scorer on the week, and I happened to run into the top scorer, which uh, wasn't wasn't appreciated. But hey, that's that's football. So there we go. Yeah, there's always those little anomalies that throw up uh, in fantasy. Obviously, you know, you put um, in one of in my actually main uh, redraft league, there was a, a guy who lost by 0.8 of a point. So yeah, I'm lo- the most unlucky that I've ever seen. Mm. But, yeah, it's just one of those things in fantasy. You know, it's it's bad, but you know, it's all in itself. Like you get rubbed with the green sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if you can't if you can't take. Uh, if you can't if you can't take losing with the second highest score, but you're quite happy to take winning with the second lowest, then you know you, maybe fantasy football is not for you, I suppose. But it was nice to see Tony Michelle. Yeah. I'm, I, I, kind of, I kept banging the Tony Michelle drama, and he came through for me uh, in most of my league, so that was cool. But yeah, losing to on 146 points uh, was was not was not great. But ho hum, we we go again we go again next week. So um, yeah, so obviously week four was wacky and wild. Just a couple of injury notes to to give everyone. On the back of week four, Leonard Fournette obviously got pulled from the Jacksonville game there uh, against the New York Jets. Uh, looks to have re-injured his hamstring, so it looks likely he'll be out for another couple of weeks there. Um, certainly Doug Marone coming out saying that he's probably back where he was when he injured it the first time. Uh, mm. So that's not that's not great for obviously there. So yeah, again, we'll, we'll get to waivers at the end of the show. T.Y. Hilton, uh, chest and hamstring as well. It looks a bit doubtful for Thursday Night Football. Obviously, played a bit through it uh, on Sunday there against Houston Texans, but it looks like he could potentially miss Thursday Night Football there for the Colts. Uh, Sammy Watkins, uh, hamstring injury there for the Chiefs, uh, came out of the game. He's, I think he ran on the sidelines afterwards, but I think um, he said he was good to go, but um, yeah, might be one worth watching on there. Uh, one of the bigger ones, tight, two tight ends. Both with ankle injuries. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, let's start off there. Obviously, again, he's a he's a bit day to day with his ankle injury. Could be uh, doubtful for that game there against the Colts. But the probably one of the more gruesome injuries of the weekend. Uh, Tyler Eifert there for the Bengals, who obviously you know everyone's going to say he's injury prone, but that you know that that's the kind of injury where you, you know you you're either going to get rolled on um, and break it, or you might you might get away with it. So it's not really his injury proneness that that warranted that ankle injury. But um, yeah, he he's done for the season. Have you got any more from the from the weekend? 
Uh, no, not for me. They're just on that Tyler Eifert one. It's a really gruesome one. Yeah. And it's one that you, you kind of want to watch, but you kind of don't at the same time. Uh, the first time I saw it, I made a very funny noise. Yeah. Uh, made me a bit squeamish, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, like you say, it's not his injury proneness. It's uh, just one of those really unlucky ones, and it just so happens that you know he seems to have really bad injury luck. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, best of luck to him. Hope he, uh, he comes out of that stronger. Mm. Yeah, again, obviously, it's, it's one to tack on the on the list of, of injuries that he's had. Obviously, they've usually been back injuries, but yeah, not nice to see, especially the tight end position. Um, you know, we need all the depth we can get there. But um, yeah, there we there we have the main the main injuries coming out from week four. Just before we get into the the recap of all the games, just a couple of bits, a bit of housekeeping to uh, take care of. Obviously. If you follow us on Twitter at Full Ten Yards, you'll see that we are now doing a jersey, a free NFL jersey giveaway competition. Uh, a couple of things that you need to do there to be to enter the competition: follow us on Twitter, I say at Full Ten Yards. Retweet the post that is pinned to the top of our, uh, I don't know, was it timeline? I suppose it's called. Uh, and also reply to that tweet with uh, the hashtag F10Y Jersey and your size and your team, and we will pick a winner at the end of the month there. Uh, the winner will get a free NFL jersey. Um, not not a bad competition. It's not obviously not you know everyone all these all these different uh, podcasts and that do free ones, uh, free signed jerseys. But um, yeah, essentially we we're not asking you to do very much. So yeah, we're just going to give away a, a free NFL jersey. Uh, we're also obviously still looking for an NFL fantasy writer. So if anyone out there that is listening knows anyone, or if you are indeed a writer yourself, want to give it a go. Uh, get in touch with us. Say it's uh, at for ten yards on Twitter for the for the podcast, or at Tim underscore Monk eighty five, or at Wakefield ninety for our personal uh, personal Twitter accounts. Also, just to let you know that all our DM our DMs are open uh, for the podcast. So if you have any start sick questions, or you know if there's any any trade deals that you're you're thinking of doing, you need a second opinion. Give us a shout. We'll be more than happy to answer those. And also keep your eyes peeled for uh, coming soon. We're going we're going to start doing a full ten yards quiz as well. So more details to follow on that when they are available. So Lee, I suppose should we get should we get straight into into the week four recap? Obviously, we did Thursday night uh, uh, last week. So let's. Let's start off. Where should we start off at? Where have I got? Hang on, two seconds. Uh, let's start off with the Jets at Jags. Uh, Jacksonville, okay. I say, Leonard Fournette went down with an injury uh, quite early there. So they, they turned to TJ Eldon. Obviously, he was a bit uh, doubtful for the game as well, heading into heading into Sunday. But Blake Bortles ended up just throwing bombs and 388 yards, two touchdowns for him. Uh, Didi Westbrook posting over 100 yards there uh, through the air as well. But not really too much to 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 shout about here. Jets falling to one and three. Jaguars three and one. Well, um, speak for yourself. Obviously, as I said on the last show, um, I drafted in Blake for my fantasy stream and he obviously didn't crowd yeah. thanks very much for that if you're listening Blake again <laughs> uh, yeah no it was a really efficient performance by Blake it was kind of like a playoff Blake that we saw from, from last year he sort of reared his head again which is good for Jags fans to see uh, but yeah this is pretty comfortable for the Jags obviously we, we expected their defence to make it pretty uncomfortable for Sam Donald they raced out to a 16 uh, to nothing uh, half time lead and Donald ended in about 50% um, you know which is it's not great but obviously he's going to be inconsistent being a rookie, uh, but he showed enough talent, I thought, uh, from what I've seen, to encourage Jets fans moving forward. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I said, the big talking point is Leonard Fournette. Obviously, he's been ruled out, and you know, if he's in and out, is he going to play? Is he, if he does, is he going to be limited? So, so can TJ Eldon carry the load? Um, fortunately for me, uh, in one of my fantasy uh, matches this week, uh, my opponent had Leonard Fournette, and I had TJ Eldon, so obviously that one worked out quite well for me. Eldon went. <laughs> Quite a few points with receiving touchdown and quite a few yards, yeah. both on the ground 
ground and in the air. So yeah, no, it worked out well, but can it? Is it sort of sustainable moving forward? That's the question. Mm. Moving forward, it comes to the Jags with without having the greatest quarterback in the world with the greatest respects. Um, you know, they need to rely on that, that run game and that, that passing out the backfield. And you know, it's it's uncertain. And uh, can CJ Oldham do that? It's questionable, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, obviously, fancy football, you weren't really going to be starting any Jets, maybe PPR, Quincy Anuma, obviously, um, he, he, he's done all right this season up to this point. But I think, I think certainly, again, the, the, the narrative in Jacksonville's wide receiving core is you can't trust any of them week to week. And, you know, Blake Bortles isn't going to put up 388 yards every week because they are usually a run a run first offense. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty much everything we need to, to talk about for, for those two teams. So let's move on. To Dolphins, Patriots, uh, Patriots just dominated from start to finish here. I think it just confirms that Miami aren't actually that great. I mean, I, I, I knew I said last week on the podcast that Patriots could put a whooping on on, on the Dolphins, and uh, so so it was. Uh, Ryan Tannehill just threw for the hundred yards, and I think had an interception as well. So I actually think in some leagues he actually had zero fantasy points, which <laughs> for someone that's actually play, someone that's actually played is actually really hard to do. Um, so fair. Fair play to Ryan Tannehill for doing that. But on the other side of the ball, Tom Brady, 274 yards, three touchdowns. Sony Michel uh, posted 112 yards on the ground and one touchdown. James White also had a good game there, both receiving um, and rushing. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think this one was, was true to form. And I suppose all is right in, in Foxborough and the AFC East, I suppose. No, normal services resumed. Yeah, and now they're obviously only one, one game behind the Dolphins. They're at the top of uh, the AFC. I'm quite ominous. Uh, moving forward, the Dolphins' schedule getting a bit more difficult. Um, and then, obviously, the Patriots will start clicking into gear. Obviously, they've got uh, Josh Gordon to come in. He's got to be integrated into the offense more. They've also got Julian Edelman as well now, who's back from suspension from the next week. Yep. So, you think that passing attack would evolve and uh, improve uh, moving forward. Yep. We are, like you say, obviously, the Patriots pretty much dominating every statistical category uh, possible and on the field as well. Mm. Um, it's only really the turnovers that blighted the, the sort of blighted the copy, copy sorry the copy book sorry <laughs> my words up a little bit there um, and but the Pats were completely dominant you know they were they were up early and they never really looked close no. uh, but yeah good news for you and uh, your Sony Michelle hype train that finally arrived mm. finally got going and uh, you'd imagine that he'd only gone from strength to strength now that he's uh, going back to more uh, towards hundred percent performance fitness now. Yeah, I think he had 25 carries, uh, which which bodes well going forward. Um, two, two things I took out of this game. Kenyon Drake, um, not quite sure really what's going on there. Um, had very, very, very few touches. Uh, Frank Gore kind of, I know he got out of hand early, but the thing is Kenyon Drake's a pass catcher uh, running back at, in, in that team. So I'm not quite sure what, what kind of is going on. It's not as if it's a new coaching staff and, you know, they're not tied to, to, to Kenyon Drake. Adam Gase actually drafted Kenyon Drake, so... Um, I'm not sure whose who's dog uh, Kenny Drake has, has kicked, but um, yeah, he's not really getting much of a look in. Kenny Stills, again, wasn't really really that great. Uh, Devontae Park obviously needs to be on the field for, for Stills to you know kind of have some coverage taken off of him. But the one, the one, the one for the deeper, not necessarily deeper leagues, because he was drafted quite high, but Chris Hogan, I think, well, whilst he's disappointed up until this point through the first four weeks, I think with, with Edelman coming back and uh, the run game, obviously James White as well there in the backfield, Chris Hogan could ex- could start to uh, to see a bit more production because um, there's, there's other people there now in the team and to cover, you know, Julian Edelman and Gronkowski. I think, I think Hogan's obviously been stymied a little bit. 
um, over the first four weeks. So just just watch out. You, obviously, he's a buy low candidate at the moment. So you might, you might even find that in some leagues he's been dropped to waivers. But he could be uh, someone that could just keep keep your eye on him for the next couple of weeks and just see what his production's like because he might he might see some more favourable coverage. And obviously last season when it was all clicking, that you know Edelman was on the field, Gronk was on the field, and it was all kind of clicking. Obviously Josh Gordon's there as well. So Chris Hogan could be a bit of an afterthought by you know the opposing off- defensive coordinators. So just uh, just name to, to to circle for me. Um, probably everyone else disagrees, but that's just uh, I like being the contrarian. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, no, that's it. So okay, let's move on to uh, Philadelphia Eagles at Tennessee Titans. What a game this was! Um, a thrilling overtime game where. The Titans converted, I think, four, four, three fourth downs on that final drive, uh, even when they were in field goal range to to, to essentially tie it. I think it was um, they're taking the win, twenty six to twenty three. Marcus Mariota looked seemed seemed to be, or as I like to call him, Mister Wet Wet Wet, seemed to be okay through the air and passing uh, on Sunday. Three hundred forty four yards, two touchdowns. Corey Davis had himself a game, had one hundred sixty one of those yards uh, and one touchdown as well. He balled. Against that Philadelphia defense, Carson Wentz, three hundred and forty-eight yards, two touchdowns. Um, what did you take from this game? Yeah, it was pretty funny, wasn't it? Obviously, last week, uh, called uh, Alex Smith captain checked down, and then he had a big game. And then the same happened to you with Marcus Mariota. Now he was really efficient. Obviously, uh, steered the Titans this big win against the champs. Uh, but yeah, it was a really, really good game. I was actually watching this for a little bit. Um, my Sunday viewing early on was I was watching the Bears versus the Bucks um, on Game Pass, and then after the the Bears got it out of hand, I sort of like switched over to this game. And actually missed the start of the Chargers game, game for this. That's how exciting it was. I was like, <laughs> a big Chargers fan and don't like to miss any of their games, but uh, this was really exciting. Like you say, obviously the Titans had three fourth down conversions, quite big ones as well, fourth and ten, fourth and fifteen. Yeah, uh, a couple of uh, defensive passing appearance. Uh, Penalties, which were kind of stupid on the Eagles. But, uh, yeah, no, it was really, really good game. Um, there's a big, there's a lot of drama. There's a big by Darius Jennings, just as you thought uh, it was going to be won in overtime. Uh, it would have put them in, you know, good good uh, scoring position. Then they went to fourth down and, like I say, converted it. But I think at the moment, the Titans are playing in Mike Grable's image. Um, obviously, they're not, not playing pretty football, but they're getting the wins. They're one at the moment and uh, playing in the former linebacker and special teamer. Uh, in his image, really, and I think it's uh, it's a different side to the Titans that we've seen uh, previously under sort of the uh, sort of milky toast kind of uh, stewardship of Mike Malarkey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, um, Tennessee struggle on the ground again, but I think quite a lot of teams. Obviously, this Eagles defense run D is pretty decent, so quite a lot of teams are going to have to end up passing uh, on the Eagles. But yeah, Corey Davis. Funny story, actually. I, I traded for in uh, some random league that I'm in full PPR. Someone offered me. Uh, Corey, uh, Corey Davis and Peyton Barber for Geronimo Allison. So I, I'm quite happy that I did that before the uh, before the games. Obviously, it went through today because of the because uh, the weekend. But yeah, it's quite happy to do that. Corey Davis, prior to obviously wasn't really getting that that much of the box score, but he's obviously getting a lot of targets. And Mariota just pummels him with targets. So happy to have him on my team now. So um, yeah, maybe not necessarily. Yeah, you've got a uh, a number one wide receiver there for yeah. a, a number two, number three receiver, which is a great deal, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, obviously uh, Eagles fall into two and two, but the Titans uh, somehow get into three and one. Obviously, last couple of the, the last three games that they've won, obviously they lost to the Dolphins in week one, but the last three games managed to sneak wins uh, in all three of those. Obviously, two divisional ones, and this one now against the defending Super Bowl champs, uh, which is always welcome. Being a, a uh, Cowboys fan, 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite difficult to know what really what to make of this Tennessee Titans team because they're not playing great, but they're, they're just grinding win, wins out. No, no, they're not the easiest on the eye. Yeah. Uh, but like you say, they're just grinding that wins. They're showing grit, they're showing determination, and they're, they're finding a way to get it done. Yeah. Uh, which, like I say, just, uh, you know, it's it's like an image of Mike Rabel, really, mm-hmm. if anyone remembers him playing. Yeah, yeah. And moving on to uh, another overtime game. This one was a bit of a stranger uh, ending, I, I suppose. Texans at Colts. Uh, Frank Reich obviously going for it. And you know, if you look at his, uh, his his post-match interview, he's not interested in tyres, apparently. So um, he's not going to get a sponsorship deal from the tyre rack anytime soon. But um, yeah, <laughs> Indianapolis going for, going for it on fourth down on like the 40, 45 or you know, roundabout midfield. Essentially, handing the, the 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 field goal range to Houston there to come away with the win. Obviously, it's Houston's first first win of the season, but a lot of lot of yardage in this one. Sean Watson, three hundred seventy-five yards through the air and two touchdowns. Andrew Luck, four hundred sixty-four uh, touchdown um, touchdowns, four hundred sixty-four yards. I think he threw the ball for, forty completions, was it, and sixty sixty odd times? Yeah, forty-five uh, completions and sixty uh, attempts, which is obviously a crazy amount, really, especially given the the possible state or you know, the health of his shoulder. It's yeah. uh, quite a litmus test to come through, really, when you mm-hmm. consider that, obviously, he's only a few months removed from surgery, he's working back, and just we saw, we mentioned a couple of uh, podcasts ago about Jacob Brissett going up like Hail Mary a couple of games ago. Yeah. And, you know, we both saying that, you know, Andrew looks probably not 100%, and then he goes out and throws 60 times in a game, mm. which is a stark contrast, really. So, yeah, definitely one to watch. Maybe Andrew Luck's getting back to his best. Sounds like they're throwing over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Really encouraging. And uh, the other bright spark on uh, the Colts' offense is Naheem Hines. I've mentioned him a few times, and he's got another touchdown. He's starting to become like a pretty decent weapon there in the backfield for the Colts. Yeah, had a nice had a nice touchdown there against uh, Matthew, the Honey Badger, Tara Matthew. Um toe tap on the in the end zone that was quite a nice touchdown but they, they also another another star performance was from Kiki Kuti for for the uh, for the Texans he had he was absolutely pummeled with targets I think he posted over 100 yards as well um, but just also just to, to mention the the top rusher for Indianapolis was Jordan Wilkins with 16 yards so there is that I suppose but this one this one all, all through the air obviously the the secondaries in, for both of these teams aren't great but um be interesting to see how luck recovers obviously they've got a quick turnaround now going to to New England on Thursday yeah, I would imagine that even if he was fully healthy, I'd imagine that shoulder, shoulder so he was pretty uh, pretty sore throwing it for 60 times. Yeah. And obviously on a short week, how's his rehab gone, especially, like I say, with it not being a fully healthy... So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays and how the Colts play it offensively with, with him uh, on a short week against uh, the Patriots on a Thursday night. Mm. Yep. Okay. Moving on to the shutout of the weekend. Packers defeating the Buffalo Bills, twenty-two to zip. Josh Allen didn't have the greatest of games. Didn't look around the eye. But the uh, the Green Bay Packers, obviously, Aaron Rodgers come out saying that they didn't perform very well either. Aaron Rodgers, two hundred ninety-eight yards, one touchdown. Aaron Jones also got one on the ground, uh, rushed for sixty-five yards. I think he's taken over that backfield now, pretty much uh, in terms of market share. Uh, didn't, not really too much to take away from this one because it's kind of what we expected. Yeah, definitely. Um, the worst thing about this game actually wasn't the fact that Josh Allen threw for less than 50% and threw a couple of picks. It was actually the Green Bay uniforms for me. <laughs> really don't like those uniforms. I just don't don't like those baby trousers at all. Um, not a big fan of those. But yeah, like you say, pretty pretty routine win for the Packers. Jimmy G, uh, Jimmy Graham, I oh, can't call him Jimmy G now, I guess, with mm. uh, the other Jimmy G now taking over that, that moniker. Uh, but yeah, he got his first Packers touchdown, got his first Lambo leap in. 
Uh, one thing I noted about this as well was Devontae Adams is really becoming a true wide receiver one in this league. Uh, I remember in the past, Aaron Rodgers was talking about him like quite openly and saying that he didn't really trust him. Um, you know, when he threw the ball to him, obviously at that time he had uh, Jordan Nelson, Randall Cobb to throw the ball to. I think he's really grown into that wide receiver role, and you can see that Aaron Rodgers really does trust him. And uh, it's coming into a more ascending role as well. He's the guy that you mentioned a short while ago, Geronimo Allison. He's, he's got a lot of targets, and he's becoming a bigger target share each week uh, from number 12. And uh, yeah, I want to keep the, white, the waiver white eye on, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And another name I'm going to throw out there as well is Marcus Valdez. Is it Mark Valdez at Scantlin? Uh, Randall Cobb was uh, inactive for this game, and I think he he was on the on the field for I think 79 percent of snaps, which is obviously quite high. And that's obviously you want, you want pieces of uh, Green Bay offenses. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how a how long Cobb's out for, but b obviously you know, Scantlin there. He's going to be available on pretty much 99 percent of of waiver wires. But he's another one just to circle. Um, and also, just a quick note, obviously, you're saying about Devontae Adams there have, having the trust of uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones, obviously, Rodgers came out during the week saying that they, they he wants him on the field more as well. So that's also quite a, st- a telling story. So, yeah, Aaron Jones, pretty much the back uh, to own there in Green Bay. I'm not going to say he's going he's gonna to be on, in an RB1 type because everyone in this backfield will, will get some sort, of, uh, some, some sort of volume. But Aaron Jones seems to be the head of the pecking order there. The only issue with Aaron Jones that I will mention just for everyone who's who's thinking about him fantasy-wise, obviously he's just come back from suspension. Yeah. And the thing is that he comes off the field a lot on third down because he's not the best pass blocker. Obviously, no. it's not something you really consider for fantasy, but it's definitely obviously a factor in the game. Yeah. And Carl Williams is by far the best pass blocker in that Green Bay um, backfield. Mm. And it, it does take away from Jones's sort of snaps and how often he's on the field, especially in those situations. Yeah. But yeah, Aaron Jones might be just one to you could still buy low. Maybe I'm not. I'm not too sure. Maybe now after the uh, after that, that that kind of stack game. But um, yeah, it's not really too much else to take from that game. So let's move on to Detroit at Dallas. Uh, obviously, watched this one on Game Pass myself, so I missed quite a lot of the six o'clock stuff. So I did watch uh, some highlights just before we recorded this podcast. But good game this one. Uh, Golden Tate's an arrogant, arrogant son of a gun, but. Um, <laughs> Essentially, yeah. essentially, this turned into Detroit versus Ezekiel Elliott, uh, who got a bit banged up in this game. Obviously, no doubt, considering the amount of times he he touches the ball. Um, but yeah, nice over the shoulder catch to set up the game winning field goal. Uh, 152 yards on the ground, 88 yards in the air, touchdown uh, as well. Dak Prescott had a, his first, I think his first uh, over 200 yards passing game since since God knows when, since I was born probably. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Cabo's coming away with a the win there. And Brett, Brett Mahaya, for everything that was said about Dan Bailey obviously being cut, he's, since missing his first one, he's been perfect since. So um, obviously a big moment for him there to, to get it through the posts. Uh, done so, and obviously Dallas come away with a win. Yeah, I read, a, I read a stat earlier about Dak. I think it's his first 200-yard game since high school. <laughs> it doesn't surprise nah, me. Um, you know, <laughs> like you said, just at the top of that uh, little review, obviously... Uh, Golden Tate's going to feel pretty silly now. So you can't really high step into the end zone. Uh, and he taunted on his second touchdown as well, didn't he? A little yeah, bit. Um, yeah. And then you end up losing the game. So it's not the best not the best thing to do. But yeah, like you say, it was Zeke. Zeke went big. Uh, Zach, uh, sorry, Dak, sorry, had quite a big game as well. Uh, he sort of got, got the win. Uh, he, you could see the relief in his uh, celebration, the winning touchdowns. Uh, sorry, the winning point, winning kick. 
Um, and you could see it really, it really was like a, a sort of release of energy and release of tension, I thought. It was a big celebration. Mm. But yeah, Kerry on Johnson as well, just flipping over to the other side. He's given Detroit the running game for the first time in forever, mm. which is an interesting little wrinkle because obviously, probably since uh, you and I have been watching the NFL, the, the, sorry, the Detroit Lions have not really had a running game, so it's a different sort yeah. of side to their franchise that we've not seen before. So we'll yeah. see if that can carry on long term. Yeah, I mean, um, Matt Patricia's come out and said that he's not in play, he's not planning to give Kerryon Johnson uh, any more of a workload. I think he's just getting in on his high horse a little bit. But uh, I think Legarrett Blunt averaged less than two and a half yards per carry uh, on, on Sunday, so I'm not quite sure what why they they're continuing to to keep him in the in the backfield. But uh, yeah, Kerryon Johnson by far by far the best uh, running back there uh, in Detroit. So I think it's just a matter of time. If there are leagues where he's still available, you can still get him a, a decent price. I would I would suggest that you do so because I think as the, the season wears on, he, he's going to be more and more of a factor. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see Dallas. They threw the ball a bit more. Uh, a couple of drop catches, for one from Dave, Tavon Austin, I think, within the end zone. Um, but yeah, threw, threw the ball a fair, more, a fair amount more than they usually do. But again, this 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 offense just goes through Zeke. One the one player I will actually uh, I, I will mention is um, it, first and goal. I think it was or second and goal. There's a play to and they they lined up Rico Gathers out on the outside. And literally, even I knew that he was going there. And like Rico Gathers. For the size of the guy, he is so weak. I I fancy my chances in an arm wrestle with him, to be quite honest. And I I don't I don't do weights. Uh, <laughs> the only weights I do is when I lift Krispy Kreme donuts up into my mouth. So um, it just oh, I was just absolutely pathetic. It, it, it was almost as if like, they just wanted to make it obvious and try and be cool, throw it up to Rico Garras, but he just made an absolutely pathetic attempt to. I don't even know why he's on the field. He, he the one the one obviously Jeff Swain I mentioned last week. Obviously he got the touchdown as well. He. Um, uh, I'll keep banging his drum. He's he's maybe the guy to own there. Uh, well, you don't own any any Dallas uh, Titans or wide receivers, but he's a he's a guy that um, could be Dak's go-to guy as well as Cole Beasley there for the, for the passing game as as the weeks go ahead. But we'll we we'll move on. This isn't the Dallas Cowboys podcast. Let's move on to the game you watched then, Lee. Uh, Tampa Bay falling to two and two. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick pulled for James Winston at some point in this game. Obviously losing uh, 10, 10 to forty eight. Yeah, no, James, James came in after Fitzpatrick sort of turned to pump him, which is obviously what we've mentioned a, a few times now, obviously what a few people were waiting for. Um, and the funny thing was, obviously the Bears were up, up early and they were up quite by quite a lot in the first half. I think it was 35 points in the first half. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't actually playing that well to begin with. I mean, he was playing, he was playing really well, but he was missing some layup throws. He was missing some wide open people, and and Tampa Bay still didn't have the answer for him. Uh, but no, Trubisky sort of played well. Like I say, he, he didn't play terribly, but he wasn't playing. He wasn't playing as well as the score sort of would seem on the no. face of it. I would say. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's sort of a, it's a step, a step in the right direction. I've been saying for a few weeks now that the Bears' offense will click at some point, and maybe this is sort of the first step of that. Obviously, the offense was doing great, uh, but it was against the Bucks offense. That, uh, sorry, Bucks defense. Sorry, that um, that can't really defend the pass. So. Against sort of a quirky uh, college-style offense, it's quite difficult for them to defend that in in their current form. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's kind of we'll wait and see how the Bears play against quite a good defense before we sort of anoint them as a uh, a great passing offense. And Mitchell Trubisky's been got to the Hall of Fame sort of thing. Uh, but no, they, it's a comfortable win for the Bears. Uh, they looked a lot better than they have done in recent times, and their record is is looking really really good at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I think this is pretty much an outlier game for the Bears. Like I say there are f- five touchdowns from thrown by Mitch Trubisky in the first half. Could have had probably ten. But the thing I noticed, this is one of the highlights I watched before we came on, and 
every every reception that was on the highlights, just Bears players were just wide open. I don't, there was no literally yeah. no coverage uh, at all, really. But Mitch Trubisky, three hundred and fifty yards, six touchdowns, not to be sniffed out. I started him in uh, in a in a two QB league, and he ended up getting fifty seven points. I think it was six t- six point touchdown uh, league, so that's quite cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the other the other note as well is uh, Ronald Jones was active for this game for the first time. He got his always some first NFL snaps. Didn't do too much with it, and obviously dropped an ugly pass out of the backfield as well. But um, yeah, Bucks. Uh, I think they're reverting to the t- to type. Obviously, we expected them to, to do poorly, and Fitzpatrick obviously wove a bit of magic in the first two weeks there. But I think you're going to start to see the slide from Tampa Bay because they can't they can't stop anyone. Well, on the on the flip side of that, obviously before the the season started, I think both of us and I think Adam as well when we when we had him on, we're all saying I think Adam tipped it that the books would go zero and four for the yeah. first four games before yeah. James came back. Yeah. But obviously, if you offered them this record now, they'd probably take your hand. Yeah. They'd probably take your hand off for that. So, although it is a bad loss, a heavy loss, um, they've obviously got James, they've got the bye week to come in, and they've got a long, long time to prepare for their next game. So, in the grand scheme of things, as things were expected to go, it's not a terrible situation for Tampa Bay. Obviously, they've got a huge hole to dig themselves out of. So, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. I think that they've obviously shown some shown something so far in the in the season, not half as bad as we expected, and maybe they've got something to build on that we didn't expect. Yeah, yeah, and I thought the other one, the other takeaway for me was quite interesting to see that they used uh, Tariq Cohen quite a lot to to cause mismatches there against the uh, the Bucks defense. But um, yeah, I mean, they just Chicago had their way, got up early, and you know, good night Vienna, I suppose. But um, yeah, nothing, nothing else really for me left on that one. So let's move on to shootout of the weekend: Bengals at Falcons, thirty-seven to thirty-six. This one, um, yeah, just yardage and touchdowns everywhere for this one. Yeah, oh, my, yeah, this was uh, I, I sort of uh, obviously made the incorrect decisions with my early game watches with uh, the Bears game and then the Titans game. But this was another great game. This has been a, a great week of games, I would say. Obviously. Last week we had quite a few shocks, had quite a few close games. This has been a week of really great games, really good advertisement for the NFL. Um, yeah, so you've got obviously Tyler Eifert. We thought he was back. Yeah, he was having a great receiving game and then obviously gets a terrible injury. Uh, a real back and forth game as well, 28-21 uh, to 21 at halftime. Uh, Ito Smith, Calvin Ridley getting on the board. Uh, the youngsters doing well for the Falcons. Then obviously, like I pointed out last week, Obviously, you've got Gio Bernard receiving touchdown, and he ate against his Falcons. He that's missing quite a lot of big players, and they've had uh, problems since receiving backs in the last few weeks. Um, and they just exploited that. I think the Bengals, uh, to to you know their credit. Um, and then obviously you've got the other problem on the other side for the Falcons is that Julio Jones is getting plenty of yards. Um, he's on track for over two thousand yards as as things stand, but obviously no touchdowns the whole year. Um, so is that becoming a big problem until we've scored three last year um it's quite been quite an epidemic now perhaps yeah um, potentially i think i think the way they're using calvin ridley is pretty 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 cool uh obviously another two touchdowns for him and yeah he's again a shiny new toy but it's a bit in fantasy um, i think michael fabiano of nfl fantasy uh live put out put out a poll on which uh, which wide receiver would you rather have? And I think fifty four percent. I think it was like six thousand votes or something. And fifty four percent of them voted for Calvin Ridley, which just beggars belief. Right. If, if there's a, if they, if you're in a league out there where Julio Jones is considered a waste, 
uh, waste of a, of, a, of a starting spot. Go and get him. Go, absolutely go and get him. He, the guy had 173 yards. That's still 17 points. And here's a stat for you. He still outscored Calvin Ridley in PPR. And, he, and Calvin Ridley had two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I, I actually saw that, Paul, and I voted Calvin Ridley. Um, just because he seems to be getting more usage in the red zone. Um, and obviously, if, if Julio is bottled up by a team with great corners and he's taking a lot of the attention away, I think Ridley will get quite a lot of throws. Uh, which could become a problem for any fantasy owners of Julio moving forward. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I'm not, scared. I'm not worried whatsoever because what, I, what I see happening is, you know, you've got a couple of weeks of Calvin Ridley, you've got a couple of weeks of this, that, and the other. Just anyone but Julio Jones, and then what will happen is defenses will even out their coverage a little bit, and Julio Jones will start to see some more one-on-one stuff, kind of stuff, uh, you know, in the red zone. And I think it will just regress to the mean a little bit. And I think give it a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks from now, Julio Jones is just going to have some absolutely monster thirty point, thirty point plus games, even in standard scoring. So uh, yeah, watch this space on that one. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll have Julio Jones all day over Calvin Ridley. Don't care. Yeah, um, fair enough. I, I, I would, if I was an owner of him, I would maybe use a bit of trade bait, try and get someone. And he obviously he's a big name. People are probably quite willing to throw. Uh, a big name or two in your direction for him, I'd be looking to trade out. I would say. Yeah, and the thing is, for me, if I, if it, even if I'm, if I'm a Calvin Ridley owner, I'm, I'm selling high. Um, oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know that the Falcons is going to, you know, the, the recipe is obviously Falcons. Falcons defense is is, so, is porous, so there's going to be a lot of points to go around. So Calvin Ridley still, you know. He, this guy was undra- pretty much undrafted in, in drafts this year for fantasy football. So be able to be able to turn him into maybe like a, I don't know, uh, Alan Robinson or Doug Baldwin type, you know, wide receiver two, wide borderline wide receiver one. That's great value there. Um, it just depends on you know because once once the uh, once the fire goes cold, then that's that's it. You're not gonna you're not gonna get anything no, for yeah, him. But um, yeah, but yeah, it was it was was a great game. Just one last thing on that. Um, I spotted the, uh, a, a quite a little bit of an anomaly statistically. Um, Matt Ryan's thrown for about 800 yards there or thereabouts in the last two games and lost both games. Yeah. That is that is going some. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 419 yards in this one, three touchdowns. Um, Julio Jones obviously had 173 of those. Um, AJ Green had a nice catch there to, to win it there for the, for the Bengals. That was a quite an interesting one. Uh, obviously, Tyler Boyd had over 100 yards as well. Uh, John Ross, I think, pulled up with a hamstring injury when he caught his touchdown as well. Um, let's move on to the, the later games. Seattle Seahawks squeaking past the 0-4 Arizona Cardinals. David Johnson finally got into the end zone, obviously tipped on here to to um, on, on social media, obviously, over 29.5 receiving yards, which obviously came in. But David Johnson getting some uh, some fantasy owners out there, a bit of a respite for, for obviously picking him you know, some, in some leagues first overall, I suppose. But not, not a really, really a great game, this one. No, it wasn't expected to be one, really, was it? So um, to have the sort of late drama of this was a bit of a bonus, really. Mm. But I've got a bit of a question, like, what, what is a Mike Davis and where did that performance come from? Yeah, it's a funny one. Now, obviously, well, Mike Davis is actually not a bad runner, but obviously Chris Carson was inactive for this game. Um, and the thing that, that screams to me is Rashad Penny is not going to get anything in 2018. So um, if he's in your dynasty leagues, just stash him away for the season. Uh, you're not going to really get too much for him for trade trade value uh, and in redraft leagues you can pretty much drop him if, if I'm honest um, you know you're going to need Mike Davis to come go down as well for a sharp penny to see the field but yeah Mike Davis has is, is, is been okay he's a bit of a journeyman but uh, yeah 101 
101 yards, two touchdowns. I think it's more. It says more about the the Arizona defense, really. To be quite honest, uh, Russell Wilson only had 172 yards passing. Uh, mm. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't really much. Uh, Josh Rosen, you'd have got a good price on Josh Rosen having more passing yards than uh, Russell Wilson in this one. But um, yeah, two two poor teams, it, 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 really. Um, but Seattle coming away with a away win there in the division. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a uh, not a good not a good match, not a good division really either. Uh, obviously, now that Jimmy Garoppolo's gone down, the the NFC West is severely sort of dented, and obviously these two teams have seen rebuild mode. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's just something to stay away from. The the Rams are going to walk that division. Yeah, I mean, before the season started, you just about I think it was just about shades on uh, odds on, wasn't it? Which is uh, finding it on the floor pretty much. But um, yeah, hopefully everyone got on, got on, got on that, and is uh, pretty much just waiting for waiting for the season to finish or the Femme's Clinic Division to pick up their money. Uh, another yeah. another wild one. Uh, no one really saw this one coming. Browns forty two, Raiders forty five. Another overtime thriller. Um, loads of points in this one, but uh, Browns Browns really had fourteen point lead at, late in the game in this one. Shouldn't really lost. No, not at all. Um, it's only the turnovers, really. Obviously, four turnovers, I think, for the Browns. Yeah. Uh, we expect a lot more for them for their, from their defence. Uh, we were talking about their defence last week, um, and then they've gone and allowed 48, uh, sorry, 45 points to the Raiders. We end up a shootout, like I said before, another, another week of exciting games. Uh, we've lost points in the fourth quarter as well, so late late drama in this one. Yeah. It was nice to see Nick Chubb ripping off some big runs. He only got three runs, which was quite weird. Yeah, considering that he went for, for <laughs> an average of 35 apiece, but he got <laughs> in the end zone twice. Yeah. Uh, Hyde also ran for 82 yards and a score. So the Raiders giving up a lot of lot of uh, yards on the ground, but then obviously coming back with a lot of yards of their own through the air. Uh, Jared Cook and Amari Cooper going for 100 yards, well, over 100 yards each. Yeah, and uh, beast mode going for 130 on the ground as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a bit of a crazy one. Uh, lots of lots of scores, lots of points, lots of yards for a lot of people. So good for your fantasy team. Yeah, but yeah, a bit of an outlier in what we expected uh, from this one from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, well, no, no one expects 42-45 uh, uh, really in a. In an NFL game, but Baker Mayfield, 295 yards, two touchdowns. Derek Carr, 437 and four. You always get the uh, you always get the. The idea that when when if Derek Carr's just one bad interception away from being pulled by uh, John Gruden, I, I get the feeling that he he doesn't like Derek Carr. I don't know why. I don't know why or what he's done wrong. But um, yeah, this is not. I don't think always is very right in 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 Oakland there. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think personally that he has got anything against Derek Carr per se. I think the the Raiders. I could I don't know. I don't think he's sold on Derek Carr. I think Gruden's in a way that he wants to blow up the whole roster so he can rebuild it and maybe claim a bit of the glory for doing so. Mm. So I think because Derek Carr's not this elite quarterback and he's not sort of going to blow the league away, I think he just wants rid of him mm. in some way or another. Mm. Um, I think there'll be another big trade perhaps for him in the next year or so. And I think Gruden's going to draft someone and trying to build him, this new quarterback, as his own. And uh, he can be the new face of the franchise perhaps. Because like you say, I think... It's not all well. He's, he's been out in the press and he's talked badly about Derek Carr and a few of the other stars and of the, the offence as a whole. But I don't think he sees him as his captain of the, the uh, offence. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like Derek Carr's played well, though, in, in the, the first couple of games. It's not, it's not been his fault that they've lost. It's been the defence. No, no, no. no so, I'm not, not, not saying that for one No, no, I know. No, I'm just, I'm saying. just trying to get in, in, dangerously, trying to get into the mind of John Gruden here mm. and just trying to lot of preempts and trying to think of scenarios that he might be trying to uh, act out and trying to conceive 
Yeah, it's quite funny actually because quite a lot of the times when they when they pan to him on the camera and he's he's walking up and down the sideline and he's talking he's obviously talking to someone in the in his his microphone but it looks like he's almost talking to the demons and he said you know when you get the the angel and the devil on each shoulder it's almost it's almost as if he's talking to those it's like hey pull Derek Carr no don't pull Derek Carr he's playing actually he's actually playing quite well and he's he's talking it's quite funny it's funny because you can't hear what he's saying so you just kind of make your your own story up or maybe I just, maybe it's just me I don't know but um, yeah it's a bit, bit of a weird one it's uh, we'll bookmark that one and maybe a, a come back to that one at some point later on in the season but let's uh, let's head over to MetLife Stadium Saints going into New York coming away with a victory 33 to 18 Alvin Kamara with a monster fantasy day there, 134 yards on the ground and three touchdowns as well as his part is uh, air yards. But yeah, uh, Giants were expected to put up a lot of points here as well. Uh, obviously, poorest Saints defense, but Eli Manning not really doing much. No, no, and the, sort of it's sort of becoming a weekly theme now, isn't it? With Manning, we kind of getting the questions now of whether the, the Giants should have drafted a quarterback or whether they should draft a Saquon Barkley, and all that debate is going on at the moment. And I think. When they did the, the the pick for Barkley, I think they they kind of wanted to stay away from this, and uh, it's just kind of reared its head because Manning's not playing very well at all. He can't can't get a clock completions, and he's not playing well at all. Mm. And I think it's it's showing the receivers. Obviously, I don't think uh, I don't think Odell's scored this season, has he? No. Uh, so obviously that that says quite a lot. He's, he's sort of waiting for that breakout game, especially for the fantasy owners. Uh, for OBJ, they're waiting for that that big those big games to roll in because they would have spent a very high first round draft pick on him probably. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we're on the other side, obviously, like you say, Kamara going big um, and he's sort of clicking into gear a little bit now. Uh, the Saints uh, kept the scoreboard ticking over after going down early and Kamara does eight all game. Yeah, uh, yeah, like I say, 132, oh, no, sorry, 134 yards. Um, and Breeze didn't do a lot through the air though either. Uh, Josh Hill was their highest receiver so quite a weird game for the Michael Thomas mm. owners like myself and the Ted Ginn owners and Cameron mm. Meredith owners mm. uh, so yeah weird one through the air but yeah the Saints put up a big one here yeah obviously they've, they've, for some reason they've, they revert to taking Breeze out of the lineup when uh uh, is it put they put in take is it take some hill i think it is when they get into the red hill, yeah. yeah i mean I don't, what's that all about uh, i'm not quite sure what's really going on there but obviously it's something that they practice a lot on um so maybe if you're a drew, drew breezer i know you're a bit miffed about that i suppose um uh, I'm, I'm not saying go and get and draft take some hill or pick him up off the waivers but um yeah a bit, bit annoying but alvin kamara i think is a bit is obviously bomb proof uh, and that's why in, in some leagues he was going top five uh, in, in drafts yeah. this season. So he's repaying the uh, the, only, the the GM's faith there with uh, with another big game. And he was the reason why I lost that the, uh, the my big dynasty league with 146 points. So there we go. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. We move on. Okay, San Francisco at uh, the LA Chargers. Close one, this one. I was wondering for a second whether or not this was uh, if Chargers were going to charge, going 14 to to nil down early in this one. Obviously, pick six. Obviously, pick six. Um, Early on, yeah, in this that's one. Right. You know, on the on the first drive. Yeah, so take it, take us through this one. Well, I, I like I said earlier, I was watching the, the end of the Titans uh, game, uh, their old time win. I actually missed the, I actually missed the first drive, and I switched on, and there was only a minute of, of play gone uh, on the clock. And uh, yeah, we were, we were seven seven to zip down, which was quite shocking. And uh, yeah, it only got worse from there for a little bit, like you say, going going forty to zero down. Um, but yeah, we fought our way out of it. And uh, yeah, it shows like a gritty win. Obviously, like we we both spoke about it, it was quite a, an easy charge win. But we really made it made it difficult for ourselves. It's quite quite annoying, obviously, as a fan. 
Uh, another really annoying aspect of the game is the kicking game. The kicking game's a, a disgrace, really. Um, Caleb, Caleb Sturgis had himself a game. Yeah, sorry? Caleb Sturgis had himself a game. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> don't mention Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no, obviously missing, missing field goals, missing extra points. I was surprised that he's still on the roster, to be honest. Um, I, I was tweeting out in, during the game... Um, Quite a few people saw this, but I was tweeting out whether we uh, still have Roberto Aguayo's number. <laughs> I was expecting, I was asking for him to book a flight to LA first thing on Monday morning, uh, get him in, get Sturgis out. Um, I just, it can't carry on. Uh, obviously, if we've got playoff aspirations and this aspiration to go deep in the playoffs, yeah. uh, it, it just can't happen. Can't have bad special teams, mm. uh, kicking game. Um, fortunately, you know, we, we pulled it out though. Just going back to the more positive side, Melvin Gordon ran really hard. Uh, just on second, third efforts, just breaking tackles, making people miss. So it was really good to see uh, him and Eckler becoming a really potent part- partnership. Yeah. Um, I think they're actually, as a partnership, they're actually on uh, sort of on track uh, to break the yardage total of Mark Ingram and Marvin Kamara uh, from last year, which is obviously really encouraging. Mm. And what's encouraging of them all is that Derwin James is an absolute stud. Uh, yeah. He's all over the place, yeah. making plays. Sacks, run support, pass deflections, tipping balls, like for the, the sort of game-winning inception, even though we were ahead, sort of the game ceiling inception, probably a better way to describe it. Yeah. Right at Rochelle. So in the end, it was a good win. Um, nice to win a close one for a change. Uh, obviously, in the past, the chances have been on the end of these narrow sort of losses uh, yeah. by one score or even one point. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a game we would have lost in previous years, but yeah, nice to come out of that. Get back to two and two, as I tweeted out Um at the end of the game, it's not college football. It's not how you win. It's just getting that win on the board, and that's what we did. So back to two and two, and um, yeah, so back on track, I would say. And you know, going to the Oakland game next week, and then the Browns, and then back at Wembley, mm. looking to get three wins uh, and really extend and make that run uh, a long one like last year. Yeah, absolutely. Got the got the fixtures now to to go on a bit of a run. Yeah, Austin Eckler's touchdown was a, was a nice catch uh, as well. So that's always that's worth another watch. But CJ Beathard absolutely pummeled George Kissel as well. So if you're a George Kissel and have always not lost their tight end position, 125 yards, one touchdown. Obviously they had it. They had the chemistry last season as well. Um, so keep keep hold of George Kittle. Don't worry about him in in fantasy. CJ Beathard will continue to to go to him as well. Uh, moving on, yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to Sunday night, uh, Ravens go into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers. Steelers now fall into one, two, and one. Uh, Ravens three and one. Twenty-six to fourteen. This one, Joe Flacco, three hundred sixty-three yards and two touchdowns. John Brown once again topping hundred yards and scoring a touchdown. Uh, what, what what are we going to do with it? What's going on with the Steelers this season? Yeah, it's a really weird one, isn't it? Um, obviously, we expected a little bit. Obviously, off field controversy with Le'Veon Bell still rumbling on. Uh, we expected maybe a little bit of uh, you know not playing completely at their their peak, but they they seem nowhere near at the moment. I think no. it's quite worrying if you're a Steelers fan. Yeah. Uh, I think Antonio Brown was talking about his connection with Ben Roethlisberger and saying that they need to connect a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's more that meet than to the Steelers troubles than meet the eye to be honest. And uh, like I say, I've I've been quite vocal about this in the past. I'm not sold on the Ravens either. Uh, they're quite up and down, but to sort of lose a team like this in a divisional game when, you know, even with Bell's situation towards the start of the season, a lot of people were saying that the Steelers are still going to win the division. People would then, even though we've got this situation with the running backs, you still say, you stop turning your attention to the passing game, saying that Antonio Brown's going to put up great numbers, Juju's going to put up great numbers, James Washington's going to break out in his rookie year. But it's just, none of it's really happening. Uh, you know, they're, they're ticking on. Their defence is really, really bad, especially in the secondary. 
And like I say, just more more to this than meets the eye. And they've they've got a, a struggle ahead of them. I feel uh, this is just playing into the Bengals' hands. Yeah, absolutely. You'll see Pittsburgh bottom of the AFC North now and uh, out to pretty decent price, uh, five to two. Uh, three to one in in some places. Obviously, Baltimore uh, sharing favoritism there with Cincinnati. So, if you fancy a, a, a divisional acker after after the first four weeks, uh, you're going to get some good prices there. If you if you fancy someone in particular there in the AFC North, but yeah, again, James Conner I think is very much going on a downward trajectory. Only 19 yards. Uh, on the ground there for Pittsburgh, he's no Le'Veon Bell. I think I think I, I saw in the news prior to coming on here that he's going to report week seven. I think uh, during the buy or something, and see and see what see what happens from there. Whether he plays or gets traded remains to be seen. But yeah, I think even at this early point, I think we can pretty much write Pittsburgh off if I'm honest. Uh, that defense is just shocking. But from fantasy perspective, you're still going to get points from from Brown and Juju just because. The Steelers need to keep up with with the other teams that are going to score, and I'm obviously you know, Baltimore putting 26 points on Pittsburgh isn't isn't a regular occurrence over the years. Um, but yeah, a lot of teams are going to score a lot of points. Obviously, the the Falcons next week's uh, next week's game is Falcons and, and Pittsburgh as well, so that's 57.5 that line. So there's going to be lots of fantasy points and lots of points in that game. Well, that that is going to be a shootout. Mm. Both of those teams obviously for slightly different reasons because I'd say Pittsburgh are just going to have to go offensively. They're just going to have to just go out and just try and blow teams out of the water yeah. uh, just because the defense just can't handle it just from being a bit of a poor defense mm. and then on the other side the Atlanta Falcons are they're just going to have to blow people out of the water because they're just so short-handed uh, in the defense uh, they've lost a lot of big players as we've mentioned so yeah that's going to be a shootout whatever the over is I would just bet on that mm. what, however high that gets to be honest with you yeah absolutely yeah, it's 57 and a half at the moment but I'd still take the over I'd take over 60 I think um, the other the other one thing to take away from this game, Vance McDonald also had another nice game following up his nice game last week there. Um, so I think he has a, a strong hold there on the tight end position there in Pittsburgh. So he might be one to circle for your waiver wires, which we'll get to just after Monday Night Football last night. Kansas City Chiefs improving with a, I think it was a pretty much a late, a really late touchdown there to, to beat the Denver Broncos. Obviously, Denver now two and two, 27 to 23. The final, the final score in this one. Mahomes over 300 yards once again. But Kareem Hunt getting a, having a decent game there for the Chiefs. Yeah, they're showing different ways to get it done. Obviously, they've done it through the air in quite a few games now uh, with Mahomes going big, going big to all the receivers. But this time, Sammy Watkins especially had very little. I don't think he had. Yeah, I think maybe one catch. Mm. If I remember off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, he but, left like the Can get it done. Um, and yeah, it just shows the versatility of this Chiefs uh, offense. Mm. On, conversely, on the other side of the ball, uh, you're showing that the he don't have a great defense. Obviously, the Broncos having great success in the running game, both Freeman and Philip Lindsay getting touchdowns. Yeah, and keep close really. And like I said in the last podcast that we did uh, about Kansas City, that if this, is, like I say, in my opinion, and I heard quite a few people say this in. If the Chiefs are the second best team in the NFL right now, and that's their defense, and this, this league is equal, anyone can beat anyone. So yeah. even as a Chargers fan, even though the Chiefs are poor, and low, uh, they're not. They're not. They're, they're not on this invincible. Uh, they've not got this invincible aura around them. They're not on this perch. They can definitely be knocked off, and you know there's nothing to fear. Especially in the AFC. The AFC is quite quite equal. It's quite poor um, generally. Um, there's not a lot of great teams in it. Um, even saying that as, an, as a fan of an AFC team, uh, the NFC is by far the more sort of competitive and the conference with the better quality. 
so yeah, we'll see how it all works out. But I think the the uh, Super Bowl champion is definitely come from the AFC. Uh, sorry, the NFC. The AFC. It's only got the Chiefs to uh, put up as their sort of best of the the group. Yeah, and obviously Chiefs travel to uh, the sorry the, the Chiefs face Jacksonville next week, so that'd be quite an interesting yeah. game. Could be a potential the AFC Championship game this season. Be, be interesting to see. But Mahomes was just throwing some absolute buttes. Um, on the run, one foot back, you know, back across his body, just sling him in there. My God, and he, I think he even threw one left-handed a couple of yards. Did, but yeah, um, the <laughs> commentators waxing lyrical, obviously, because it's Pat Mahomes. But yeah, and obviously he's, Mahomes doing his thing. But the Chiefs, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how if they get slowed down at all by Jacksonville next week. Um, but that pretty much uh, ends the week four review, uh, reviews. Any, any anything any anything to take away from from week four for you? What's the main takeaway for you? No, like I said before, I think the, the main takeaway from this week is just uh, just the amount of exciting games that we had. Like you say, a few overtime games went to the last second, uh, quite a few big shootouts. Uh, so yeah, no, like I, said, like I said earlier, just a really good advertisement for the NFL. Mm. Um, quite a few games that, you know, if you're just getting into the sport or if this is one of your first years uh, just watching it, these, this is what this is like the peak of the sport, you know, when you get these games, although sometimes some people might say, you know, they prefer defensive football for low-scoring, you know, balanced games but this this is what you can see is what you can see points on the points of the board exciting players exciting games and yeah no really good advertisement like i've said a few times yeah cool uh okay let's uh, let's move on before we go on to thursday night football let's just uh pick a couple of players uh for the waivers for week five obviously waivers are clear tomorrow so a couple of these guys obviously i said last week but um i actually have quite a lot of tight ends written down which is quite unusual but um look, we'll start off at the quarterback position lee have you got any quarterbacks to pick up off waivers this week just, just the one. Um, he might, it might be something that you might not get in some deeper leagues because he's, uh, you know, he's quite a decent quarterback. But obviously, Marcus Mariota, we mentioned him earlier, uh, came back, had a nice game. Uh, Titans are rolling. Like I said, I've said before on the podcast that I'm quite a big fan of winning players and they're, they're sort of teams that are on form, picking up players that are in those teams. And you know, like I said, we're not the, they're not the most easy on the eye, but they're definitely winning games. He had a great game against the Eagles. And I think they're against the Bills next week as well, which is obviously quite a soft landing spot in yeah. the next week. Uh, so, yeah, I would possibly get Max Mario over there. Uh, he's going to be throwing it quite a bit as well because, as you've mentioned previously, that the Titans' just run game just is non-existent, even though it was you know widely hyped in the off-season with Derek Henry and Dion Lewis, but they're just not doing anything. No. So I think they're just going to come out throwing, and that's going to play into Mario's hands, especially as he gets a bit more healthy with his elbow injury. Yeah. Yeah, two teams that are on by in week five: Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears. Um, if I mean, if you if you've got the if you've got the bench spot to, to burn in in maybe two QB leagues, Jameis Winston's obviously a guy to maybe pick up if he wasn't drafted. Uh, obviously, I think the Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, experiment is obviously over. Uh, but the running back position, obviously, last week we said Austin Eckler. He has standalone value. He's not a, a handcuff to, to Melvin Gordon whatsoever. He gets his own own, own portion of that backfield. TJ Yeldon, um, whilst he probably won't be on a lot of waiver wires, you never know. The uh, Leonard Fournette owner may, may have dropped him, uh, obviously, with, with Fournette being active last Sunday. So just check to see if TJ Yeldon's out there because he's going to be uh, one of the bigger pickups. And you can probably blow quite a bit of fab on him as well. Um, but in the, in the deeper leagues, it might be just worth circling Frank Gorn slash Kalen uh, Balaj just because of the Kenyon Jake, Jake usage. Not, not quite sure. Obviously, it's not really an offense. It's going to get a lot of points. But if you're if you're stuck for bye weeks, if you're stuck for injuries, uh, Frank Gore's getting a tiny bit of production. And Kalen Balaj as well. So, uh, again, I'm not saying blow half your fab on the, on those two guys. But have you, have you got any running backs there, Lee? 
just just banging the drum for Naheem Hines again. I think his role is just going to grow and grow, uh, especially with him having success both through the air and on the ground, just showing that versatility. And obviously, he's got another touchdown. And if he if he continues to get touchdowns, then he's just going to become, like I say, even more a bigger part of the offense. I'm just going to bang the drum again for him. Mm. Uh, I know I've said it before; it's not original, but I, I just think that he should be picked up in more leagues. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving on to the wide receiver. Oh, I think um, Mohamed Sanu's worth it. Worth a little bit of a poke uh, on the waivers. Obviously, he'll probably be on the majority of waivers. Uh, had had a quite a nice game, obviously against Cincinnati. I know that it was his former club um, team who drafted him, uh, Cincinnati. So he was obviously inspired. But obviously, if you you know you've got a team that are scoring a lot of points, maybe you just want a bit of a, a piece of the action. So Mohamed Sanu is going to have his weeks. You know, just you know, I'm not saying start him every week. He's not an every week starter at all. But you know, again, by weeks injuries, Sanu can can do you can do worse than Sanu for the flex. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really have anyone else to be honest. Um, for my wide receiver, I've gone for Rashad Higgins from Cleveland. Okay, yeah. Uh, Antonio Callaway has experienced a little bit of the drops. I think I think he dropped five passes in mm. the game against Oakland. Yeah. Uh, which you know, on the other side of what I've just said about Naheem Hines, about him having success. Obviously, Antonio Callaway is a very talented guy. He's he's came up with some plays, some big plays, uh, but he has you know shown this tendency to drop, and obviously that's going to lead to a loss of uh, sort of uh, trust with Baker Mayfield and Hugh Jackson and also Todd Haley as well. Uh, I think Rashad Higgins is sort of a more solid receiver. He's not nearly as talented. He's not nearly as athletic, but he is. He's got good hands. I think he's got a good relationship with Baker Mayfield, and I think that the coaching staff trust him. I think he could possibly come in and, depending on how Callaway does in comparison to Higgins, I think he could elevate himself into this wide receiver role behind Jarvis Landry as a second receiver. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. I think I said last week on the podcast, Rashad Higgins might be one to circle there um, as well, yeah. Um, tight ends for me there's, I've got a couple Vance McDonald obviously I said um, there for Pittsburgh but another one is uh, if, you want to, if you've got a, a bench space to burn Cameron Brait is a, is a guy to pick up he's had two touchdowns the last two weeks but the, the thing the reason I've put Cameron Brait down is OJ Howard actually has an MCL, MCL sprain now I know they've got a bye next week but he's going to miss miss a couple of weeks so Cam Brait with Jameis Winston we know what that, that connection's been like over the last couple of years so week five you know he could potentially be uh, a, you know if you stream the position it's a dumpster fire of a, of a position for, for fancy so Cam Brait uh, is, is is one for me maybe pick him up a week early uh, and obviously just take the, the week of a bye only if you've, if you've got the bench spots then that, that's fine uh, and Jeff Swaim in, in really 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 deep leagues yeah no that's a good point obviously it's good to use his bye week to take the team out of the other guys in the league, take them out of their minds, and then pick up the guys early. Yeah. Um, Cameron Bray, or you say, OJ Howard, although they have got a bye week, OJ Howard's going to be out for a few weeks, up to four weeks, I was reading earlier. Yeah. Um, which wasn't great for me, because I had Evan Ingram in one of my leagues, and who obviously got this MCL sprain last week. Yeah. So I picked up OJ Howard, and now he's got an MCL sprain. So I'm having to dip into my wide receiver, uh, sorry, tight end bin, which uh, is not very deep at the moment in some leagues, because uh, obviously there's been a great deal of injuries to a lot of the top guys, uh, long injuries as well. Mm. Uh, so yeah, this is this is kind of getting round, and you're sort of scraping the barrel now. Um, yeah. I've gone for Jeff Swaim in in that particular league. Um, I've heard obviously Nick speaking last week and recommending that, so I think I went off that um, as opposed to the other options. One guy who I've got as well for a similar reason is Mike Gesicki. Yeah, from like yeah. Uh, AJ Darby got injured uh, this week. I can't remember off the top of my head what that injury is or how long it's going to be, 
it's definitely going to keep him out for the next week. And Mike Gesicki is a receiving tight end. He's not going to do any blocking. He's just a jumbo wide receiver. So he's going to step into AJ Derby's stead. Um, hopefully he's going to get more targets because he's not been targeted a great deal. Uh, but that might be to do with the fact that Miami's not the most explosive offenses. Yeah. But I think this is time where you know the rookie gets sort of, sort of blooded into the offense. And if he does well, then I think he'll, he'll again, like I've been saying about Hines, he'll gain more trust and he'll gain more snaps as a result. So yeah, Mike Gesicki, another one. Uh, but yeah, it's a really, really difficult choice on the sorry, the uh, tight end uh, because obviously there's so many injuries to top players. You are really scraping the barrel nowadays, yeah. even at this early stage. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll finish off with a couple of defences. Uh, Cowboys at Houston uh, next week. Cowboys get a lot of sacks. Don't really force many turnovers, but you know, Cowboys might be on the waivers for a lot of uh, for a lot of leagues. Cowboys are on a defence that are notorious with fantasy points. But the one, uh, obviously Carolina on a bye in week four, they're, they're more than likely going to be on the waivers. So pick them up. They're at home to New York Giants. Obviously, we, we said about their offensive struggles. Couldn't put, only put 18 points up on the Saints there. So, Carolina have had you know two weeks to prepare for the Giants. So, they could, uh, could have a decent game there. And they'd say they're likely to be on the waivers, obviously, because not, not many teams or not many leagues have two two defences on their on their benches. So, I don't know if you have any defences, Lee? Uh, just just one that I mentioned a short time ago with Marcus Murrow. I get the Titans in there. Obviously, mm, the Bills. Bills uh, yeah. Not the best team overall, yeah. uh, but obviously you've got Josh Allen in there who might have his good week, might have his bad weeks, but he's obviously prone to picks, he's prone to not being the most accurate, so I'd get him in there. Uh, their offense is obviously pretty weak as well, just generally, yeah. uh, so not going to give up a lot of points either, so yeah, I would get them in there if you wanted a streaming option, uh, it's, it's quite a simple thing to say, sort of play the defense against the weakest offense, but it, it, it's a pretty solid formula to go off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, that pretty much uh, wraps up the waiver one. And so the last thing to do is uh, look ahead to Thursday night football. Uh, Colts at Patriots. Uh, Colts obviously one and three. Unlucky to to be one and three, I suppose. They're not they're not obviously far away from from it being the other way around. Really, um, New England are ten point favourites in this one. Over and under is fifty one point five. Uh, any anything heading anything for you heading into this one? Obviously, T Y Hilton uh, questionable. Maybe probably even doubtful for this one with an injury. Julian Edelman back for the Patriots. So uh, I think I think we mentioned it earlier in the show. I certainly think I could, Chris Hogan might be a decent price for any time touchdown score in this one because the uh, certainly the, the Patriots offense started rolling uh, last week. Keep your eye on Gronk's status, um, but I, I expect Patriots to win comfortably here. Yeah, I expect Patriots to win comfortably. I, I think they'll, uh, I think they'll cover that ten point spread as well. Um, although, like we said it previously, and uh, like we said earlier on the podcast, the Colts are playing above expectations. Yeah, uh, I do expect the Pats to sort of click into gear now and uh, yeah, cover that ten point spread. Mm. The Pats offense is obviously better when they've got as many options as possible. And obviously they've got Josh Gordon, as I mentioned previously, his snap count's only going to increase if he's more familiar with the offense. You've got Julian Edelman, you've got Hogan, you've got Cordell Patterson who caught a long touchdown, and then obviously you've got Gronk. Um, so obviously they've got a lot of options, and that's when Brady becomes his point guard. He can get the ball out really quickly to his most open guy, his quickest open guy. And he can just spread it around to whoever he wants. And that's that's what they've been missing a little bit. Mm. Um, and I think that'll be sort of more evident as they move forward. And obviously, they've got that win now. They're pegging back the Dolphins. And they'll be looking to sort of make that ground up and extend their lead at the top of the AFC East. And I don't think this is going to be a Pats win, to be honest. Yeah, I think you're going to get again a lot of Sony Michelle. They're going to get maybe get ahead early and just run the ball and give Sony Michelle 
keep giving him them reps, keep giving them touchdowns and get him integrated fully into the offense now. Obviously, it'll be his second week um, pretty much with a full workload there on the ground. James White should have a good game as well. be interesting to see how Andrew Luck obviously recovers from his uh, 60 attempts on Sunday against the Houston Texans. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't see many problems here for the Patriots, especially if T.Y. Hilton's out as well. So, um, yeah. Won't be, won't be a classic. Could be a high-scoring one, but um, predominantly all Patriots scoring. I would have, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely, and especially on a short week. Obviously, Belichick's going to be well prepared, even on a short week. And yeah. he's kind of the master of these scenarios, I think. And uh, yeah, I can't see anything but yeah. a Pats win. Maybe a bit more of an encouraging form from the Colts. Obviously, uh, like I say, continue this trend of uh, sort of defying expectations, people's low expectations. But uh, yeah, I think, like I say, pretty simple one to call this one. I would say. Okay, yeah, so obviously look out for my prediction on Thursday. I've done quite well the last two weeks, so hopefully I can get close once again. But I suppose that's going to wrap it up for the, this uh, today's show. Obviously, Lee, you, you have a, a stag do at the weekend, so don't get too drunk on that one. Um, <laughs> not sure if we'll be able to, to get in touch with you uh, Thursday for for the week five preview so we'll uh, maybe get someone in to to cover for you but yeah hopefully come back alive uh, and we'll probably we'll probably <laughs> we'll speak to you this time next week yeah definitely no that's that's been the advice of my girlfriend to be fair so uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the bare minimum uh, requirement i think i'll be all right <laughs> cool all right well uh, yeah so that's going to wrap it up for today's show so it's bye from lee it's bye for me and in the great words of kevin cadle it's bye for now bye-bye for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com